For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject patterns of exile and redemption in exodus this is part three of the series in exodus chapter 3 verses 18 and 19 we are told that pharaoh will not let the children of israel go and they shall hearken to your voice and you will come you and the elders of israel unto the king of egypt and ye shall say unto him the lord god of the hebrews has met with us and now let us go we beseech you three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the lord our god and i am sure that the king of egypt will not let you go no not by a mighty hand pharaoh not letting the children of israel go from their bondage he is a type of hasatan or satan ezekiel chapter 29 verse 3 speak and say thus says the lord god behold i am against you pharaoh king of egypt the great dragon that lies in the midst of his rivers the word here dragon is the strong's number 8577 it's the hebrew word tanin or Tanim. It means a dragon, a serpent, or a sea monster. Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Pharaoh is a type of Leviathan. Psalm chapter 74 verses 12 and 13. Leviathan is a sea monster. For God is my king of old working salvation in the midst of the earth. You did divide the sea by your strength. You broke the head of the dragons in the water. Notice you're breaking the heads, plural, of the dragons in the water. Psalm 74 verse 14. You broke the head, plural, of Leviathan, the sea monster, in pieces and gave him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. But actually in Exodus it talks about Pharaoh and his army that drowned in the sea. Psalm 74 says it was Leviathan. So Pharaoh is likened unto Leviathan, the sea monster. Pharaoh is a type of the false messiah ezekiel 29 verse 3 tells us that pharaoh king of egypt is a great dragon and psalm 74 verse 13 it says you broke the heads of the dragons revelation 13 verse 1 it talks about a beast rising up out of the sea and he's described as having seven heads and this beast in revelation 13 is the false messiah pharaoh represents pride ezekiel chapter 29 verse 3 it talks about pharaoh king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of the water, 
who says, my river is my own, representing pride. Regarding Leviathan in Job chapter 41, it says that he is king over all the children of pride. Job 41 verse 1, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? Job 41 verse 34, he beholds all high things. He is king over all the children of pride. We're also told about Leviathan that the nation of Israel is going to make a covenant with him, foreshadowing the covenant that will be made with the false Messiah. Job 41 verse 1, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or his tongue with a cord which you let down? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him for a servant forever? What is this covenant with the Leviathan in the end of days? It is the current peace that the nation of Israel is seeking to make with the Arab world and with the Palestinians to create a PLO state. And this is called in Isaiah 28 a covenant with death. Isaiah chapter 28 verses 14 through 16 it is written, Wherefore hear the word of the Lord you scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death for we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Notice it's talking about making a covenant with death and after talking about making a covenant with death it says in Isaiah 28 verse 16 Therefore thus says the Lord God I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. Who is the God of Israel redeeming in the end of days? He's redeeming Zion. So there's got to be a nation of Zion that is going to be born. Revelation in chapter 12. And this nation of Zion is going to birth the Messiah or the understanding of who the Messiah is. And the way that this nation of Israel births the Messiah, it's with the declaration of this nation of Zion that there will be an ingathering of the exiles. And it's the process of the ingathering of the exiles that the God of Israel makes his name known to his people, just as the pattern of the historical Egyptian exodus. When the God of Israel delivered his children out of Egypt, he did so with signs and wonders. Exodus chapter 3 verse 20, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. Exodus chapter 7 verse 3, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So what's the principle we understand? The exodus doesn't happen until after judgment comes. So what does that mean in the end of days? There's not going to be return back to the land of Israel until judgment of the nation starts. And when we return back, he's going to do it with signs and wonders. In the book, Anticipating the Redemption, Volume 2, on page 101, by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, he comments about Micah chapter 7, verse 15, which says, As in the days of your exodus from Egypt, I will show you wonderful things. I will show my people my wonders. It is necessary to understand that the future redemption will be far loftier than the redemption from Egypt. That is, redemption of the end of days, the ingathering of the exiles, from 
all the nations of the world. Nevertheless, as a whole, the exodus from Egypt will be secondary to the future redemption. The future redemption, by saying that it will be characterized by wonders, gives you terminology similar to what happened in the historical Egyptian exodus. In the book Anticipating the Redemption, volume 2, page 20, by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, he writes, The future redemption will be unique. It will be a complete redemption that will never be followed by another exile. We call it the Messianic era. This is not true with regard to the exodus from Egypt. Thus, the future redemption will surpass the redemption from Egypt. For this reason, according to one opinion, in the era of the redemption, we will no longer recall the redemption from Egypt. And it says this in Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 14 through 16. The verse indicates that the wonders that characterize the exodus from Egypt are the beginning and the source for the wonders of the era of redemption. Because it says in Micah chapter 7 verse 15, As in the days of your coming out of Egypt will I show you marvelous things, or I will show you wonders. The miracles that will characterize the future redemption will be considered wondrous, even when compared to the miracles of the exodus from Egypt. The intent is that although in general the miracles of the future redemption will resemble those which accompany the redemption from Egypt, as in the simple meaning of the verse, there will be a, a distinct advantage to the miracles of the future redemption to the extent that these miracles will be considered wondrous when even compared to the miracles of the Exodus. In the commentary on the Torah to Genesis by Moses Nachmanides on page 173, he tells us that Abraham's Exodus foreshadowed what would happen in Egypt. Now Abraham went down to Egypt on account of the famine to dwell there in order to keep himself alive in the days of the drought. But the Egyptians oppressed him for no reason and attempted to take his wife. The Holy One, blessed be he, avenged their cause with great plagues and brought him forth from there with cattle, with silver, and with gold. And Pharaoh even commanded his men to escort them from the land. He thereby alluded to Abraham that his children would go down to Egypt on account of the famine to dwell there in the land. And the Egyptians would do them evil and take the women from them, just as Pharaoh said, and every daughter you shall save alive. But the Holy One, blessed be he, would avenge their cause with great plagues until he would bring them forth with silver and gold, sheep and oxen, very rich in cattle, with the Egyptians pressuring to send them out of the land. It tells us in Exodus chapter 3 verses 21 and 22 that when the children of Israel left Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians, as it is written. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it will come to pass that when you go you will not go empty but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourns in her house jewels of silver jewels of gold and raiment and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. This foreshadows that Yeshua when he died on the tree he spoiled the kingdom of darkness. Psalm 68 verse 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also that the Lord God might dwell among them. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known 
known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, we're told these words, I am he that lives, referring to Yeshua, and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death, because he spoiled the enemy. He spoiled Hasatan. Now, we are told, going into Exodus in chapter 4, that Moses said that the children of Israel won't believe him. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto you. This is a foreshadowing of Yeshua, who said in John chapter 4, verse 48, Then said Yeshua unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, make an allusion to the historical Egyptian redemption, and also the future redemption. Unless you see these, you will not believe. We're going to finish this message by looking at the two signs of Moses and what they represent in Exodus in chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 verse 8. It will come to pass if they will not believe you, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. These signs that the God of Israel has got to give to his people represent resurrection. The two signs are the signs of resurrection. The first sign is the resurrection of Yeshua. The second sign is the resurrection of his people, which the resurrection of his people is associated with returning from the nations where they've been scattered, which is likened to a grave, and returning back to the land of Israel, which gives his people life, likened to resurrection. Looking at the first sign of Moses, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, it says, The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. The rod represents Yeshua the Messiah. The word rod is the Strong's number 4294. It's the Hebrew word mateh, which means a rod. Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2, it is written, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will send the rod of your strength out of Zion. So Zion being redeemed, he's sending a rod to do it. Rule them in the midst of your enemies. This is the defeat and judgment of the nations in the end of days. The rod, once again, represents the Messiah. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, what's in my hand is a rod. Psalm 110, verses 4 through 6. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at your right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads. He's wounding the heads over many countries. Moses then flees from the serpent serpent which had been a rod which was cast to the ground. Exodus chapter 4 verse 3. And he said cast it to the ground. So the rod representing the Messiah is cast to the ground. This represents the death of Yeshua. And he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Yeshua became sin for us. When Yeshua died on the tree, when he was cast to the ground, he became sin for us. 
which is why the rod was turned to a serpent. The Lord said unto Moses, Make you a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it will come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live. John chapter 3 verse 14. Yeshua said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That is because when Yeshua died on the tree, he became sin for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. He has made him to be sin for us. Us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Exodus chapter 4 verse 3 tells us that Moses flees from the rod which had become a serpent. And he said, cast it to the ground, and he cast it to a ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. This is a foreshadowing that when Yeshua died on the tree that the leaders of the nation of Israel wouldn't believe him or flee from him. Matthew chapter 27 verses 41 and 42 Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the tree and we will believe him. They fled from before him. The serpent then is restored to a rod. Exodus chapter 4 verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. This is speaking that Yeshua would rise, and he would be restored to his original glory. Acts chapter 5 verses 30 and 31 it is written. The God of our fathers raised up Yeshua whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Looking unto Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the tree, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the first sign of Moses is the resurrection of the Messiah. Matthew chapter Chapter 12, verses 38 and 40. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The first sign was given, that is the resurrection of Yeshua, so that they would believe. Exodus chapter 4, verse 5. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. What are we required to believe? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 regarding Yeshua it is said that if you will confess with your mouth Yahweh Yeshua and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved, redeemed or delivered. Next let's look at the second sign of Moses. Exodus chapter 4 verse 6. And the Lord said furthermore unto him put now your hand into your bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 9, page 202, we are told that when Israel sins, Israel becomes blind, poor, and leprous. Rabbi Simeon, son of Yohai, taught, when Israel stood before Mount Sinai and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and obey, Exodus chapter 24, verse 7, at that moment, there were a among them neither persons with issues
issue, nor lepers, nor lame, nor blind, nor dumb, and no deaf, no lunatics, no imbeciles, no dullards, no doubters. With reference to that moment, it says, Thou art all fair, my beloved. After they sinned, not many days passed before there was among them persons with issue, and lepers, lame, and blind, dumb, and deaf, lunatics, and dullards. Then the order was given, Let them put out of the camp every leper and everyone that has an issue. Numbers chapter 5 and verse 2. Exile is a punishment for having leprosy. Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 7, 3. That they may send out of the camp every leper. You find that just as a mortal king has army chiefs, so God has army chiefs. As it says, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 1, verse 2. A mortal king has of exile for those condemned to punishment. And God also has a place of exile for those condemned to banishment, as it says, that they send out of the camp every leper. Numbers chapter 5 verse 2. Continuing on in the Midrash Rabbah, Numbers chapter 7 verse 10, we're told that leprosy is a punishment for departing from Torah. Another exposition, command the children of Israel, Numbers chapter 5 verse 2. The rabbis explained the verses applying to exile, command the children of Israel, as if to say, because Israel has transgressed the commandment, they have incurred the penalty of being sent away, that is, exile. Hence it is written, and let them send away from the camp. Sending away has the meaning of exile. As you read, send them out of my sight and let them go forth. Jeremiah 15 verse 1. Out of the camp, that is, out of the land of Israel, where the Shekinah, or the divine presence, has its camp. Leprosy is healed through repentance. Midrash Rabbah 710. And the children of Israel did so and put them out without the camp. Numbers chapter 5 verse 4. When they sinned, they went into exile. As the Lord spoke unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. What did the Holy One, blessed be he, speak to Moses? That if they would repent while in any of the kingdoms where they might be, the Holy One, blessed be he, would gather them together as it says, and it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse, and you will return and hearken to his voice, and the Lord your God will bring you into the land, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 1 through 6. The sprinkling of clean water heals leprosy. Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 7, 10. So did the children of Israel indicate that the children of Israel are destined to do repentance and will be redeemed, as it says, in repentance and rest shall you be saved. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Moreover, as a leper, one that has an issue and one that is unclean by the dead will never be clean until they go into ritually clean water. So the Holy One, blessed be He, will sprinkle clean water water upon them and cleanse them as it says and I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean Ezekiel 36 verse 25 in the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah volume 5 pages 200 and 201 we are likewise told that leprosy is healed by clean water moreover as a leper one that has an issue and one that is unclean by the dead will never be clean until they go and do ritually clean water so the Holy One blessed be he will sprinkle clean water upon them and cleanse them as it says I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean Ezekiel 36 verse 25 this foreshadows Yeshua healing the ten lepers which represent the exiles of Israel specifically in this case the northern kingdom Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 14 it is written it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and as he entered into a certain village there met him ten men representing the northern 
thinking that were lepers. Why are they lepers? Because they're not following Torah, which stood afar off. Daniel chapter 9 verse 7, the northern kingdom is defined as being far off in their exile. And they lifted up their voices and said, Yeshua, Master, have mercy upon us. The redemption comes about by an act of mercy by the God of Israel upon his people. The redemptive work of Yeshua is an act of mercy by the God of Israel for his people. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priests. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Exodus. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.